At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Katrina Blair of Turtle Refuge to talk about her experience with edible weeds. Katrina began studying wild plants in her teens when she camped out alone for a summer to focus on eating wild foods. Later, she wrote The Wild, Edible, and Medicinal Plants of San Juan Mountains for her senior project at Colorado College. In 1997, she completed an MA at John F. Kennedy University in Orlinda, California in holistic health education. She founded Turtle Lake Refuge in 1998, a nonprofit whose mission is to celebrate the connection between personal health and wildlands. Turtle Lake Refuge is a wild harvested, locally grown and living foods cafe and sustainable education center for the community. Katrina teaches sustainable living practices and wild edible and medicinal classes. She has authored two books, Local Wildlife, Turtle Lake Refuge's Recipes for Living Deep, and The Wild Wisdom of Weeds, 13 Essential Plants for Human Survival, which was published by Chelsea Green in 2014. Welcome to the show today, Katrina. You bet. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Let's see. I uh, began a path, pretty uh, much a love life, a love relationship with plants when I was 11. Wow. And I kind of was seduced by plants when I was I was floating on this air mattress on this lake, and these my brother and cousins all went back to have lunch with the family. And I just kept paddling across the lake and disappeared from sight. And these plants on the bar bank kind of attracted me over, and I crawled through the muck in to get into these plants and sat down and then experienced this euphoria of energy, kind of a, the biggest high I'd ever experienced. And the plants communicated, you're home, and you're going to live your life with us. Wow. And I think really from that moment, I wanted to learn as much as I could about plants. Uh-huh. So I continued on with, um, right after high school, I camped out for a summer with the intention to eat all wild edibles. And so I had this wonderful journey that summer of biking into the woods and making a little a little camp and learning so much. And, you know, then continued on into college and got a degree in biology and then really just found myself wanting to take walkabouts every year mm-hmm. where I would just eat wild plants and continue my, my journey with the learning. And I, and I still am. Fantastic. How does that show up in your life every day? Well, about 17 years ago, 
I started a nonprofit called Turtle Lake Refuge. Uh-huh. And it was after I had gotten a master's in holistic health education, and I came back with the intention of protecting this land where there's a lake, lots of turtles who live there. It's called Turtle Lake. And so we started serving a wild food lunch one, twice a week. And we didn't have a place yet, so we just did it off a bicycle. Oh, nice. And, and we did this for a year where we would go to this community building and make it turn into a little makeshift cafe, and we charged $5 a plate for this wild food lunch. And we were hoping to raise $500,000 to buy this land. <laughs> we, uh-huh. we didn't quite raise that much money, but we ended up communicating and meeting with a neighbor who bought the land and turned it into a conservation easement. Oh, nice. So the nice. land got protected. Yeah. And then we realized that our mission was more than just protecting one piece of land. It was really wild lands everywhere on Earth. So we kept going. And I say we because it's really been hundreds and hundreds of people, volunteers and friends right. and, and family, too, who've been on this journey with me for the last 20 years. <laughs> and so Tur- Turtle Lake Refuge is still our a great nonprofit, and we still do these wild food lunches twice a week. We have our own place now, so we, we have people come to us mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of us biking it over to the to community them. space. Yeah. And it's all about educating how accessible these local wild foods are uh-huh. to ingest and make part of our daily lifestyle and increase our health as well as the health of the planet. Fantastic. So I'm on the website, turtlelakerefuge.org. Is that correct? Yes. And I'm I'm a longtime permaculture designer. I did my first permaculture design course in 1991. Oh, and, wonderful. And so the first tab that pops up to me on your website in my purview is the permaculture design course. So I, you have one coming up in July of 2016. Yes. Yes. Tell me a little bit about it. Cause you've got some great teachers in there. I do. You are correct. Well, this one is focused on wild plants as it's focused topic. So uh-huh. it'll be in addition to learning the basics of permaculture and hands-on experiential projects, such as the food forest and, catching water and composting toilets and all these wonderful things of how we can coexist in an abundant harmony with nature, mm-hmm. we'll be harvesting our food for the meals that we make and learning how to integrate these daily practices of health wow. um, each day, each morning and each, each day there'll be an integration of, these, of this wisdom where it becomes more of a lifestyle. Fantastic. And and I bring this up partially because I encourage all of my listeners to go out and get a permaculture design certificate. And this one is in July of 2016. And it's so it's a residential course. So people would actually come and stay with you there. That's right. It's all food and lodging is included. Wow. And Joel Glansberg is one of your teachers. Yeah, he teaches with us. He's fantastic. He is an incredible teacher. So I'm I'm really excited about that. You should you, all my listeners please go check out turtlelakerefuge.org and you know, if you want to it's probably a 2 week getaway, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, if you want a 2 it's July 22nd. Perfect. You want a 2 week getaway this summer? Go do this permaculture design course. I know Joel Glan, Glansberg's work. He's a great teacher. He really is. Yeah. Fantastic. So, and I'm just looking at the rest of your website, and you do a lot around food, don't you? We do. We do a lot around food and a lot around organic land stewardship. Yeah. 
Perfect. And so can you tell us a little bit more about Turtle Lake Refuge and all of the things you do there? Yes. So in addition to our wild food cafe, we have a commercial kitchen where we make wild food goodies such as uh, rosehip granola bars or acorn ice cream or um, choke cherry macaroons or oh, nice. dandelion, <laughs> dandelion sorbet. Anyway, we make uh-huh. all kinds of wild goodies and we, we deliver them to the local stores. And we also grow microgreens year-round. Mm, mm-hmm. And that would include sunflower greens, buckwheat lettuce, pea shoots, radish, and wheatgrass. Oh, and this microgreens, we they're in we get those into the public schools for their uh-huh. lunch bar. So that's fun. And then we also sell those to the restaurants and the stores too. Wow, cool. So we have a you know a two story greenhouse, and that's actually where people come and have the lunch. So it turns mm-hmm. into a cafe twice a week, and then the rest of the time we're planting and growing and harvesting and making yummy recipes with the wild foods and delivering it. Nice. And then we have an educational component mm-hmm. where we're teaching about permaculture and holistic health and wild edible and medicinal plants. And that, right now, we just started a program, and it's called Living Soil. Or uh-huh. we can, the longer name is Local Wild Living Soil Program. And it's a three-month program. It just started... February 9th, so mm-hmm. we meet twice a week for three hours and go until the end of April. Wow. So anyway, we do all kinds of education in addition to... Such such an important, important piece. Yeah, that helps. It just kind of keeps the ripple going further where people go and then take this information and plant seeds in their community, which inspires people and develops really great practices of living and protecting the earth and increasing our own health along the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested in your Wild Wisdom of Weeds book. First of all, congratulations that uh, Chelsea Green published it. That's awesome. Thank can, you. Can you it tell is it? awesome. They're so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, they are, definitely. So can you tell, first of all, tell us about the book. Okay. So the Wild Wisdom of Weeds. Um, I'm going to give you a little wrap. This tells you about the book. All right, good. Go. (laughs) There's a secret right beneath your toes. From the ground is where the riches grows. Everywhere in the world where humans live is a free superpower that nature gives. You have 13 weeds from which to choose. Use your intuition and you can't lose. You are wise, so when you take a little bite, ask how much or how little to you feels right. When you eat your wild greens every day, you grow wilder and wilder in every way. Look, all of the wild animals know what to do. Eat your wild weeds and join the zoo. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. (laughs) Yeah, so the wild wisdom of weeds is really celebrating these really common weeds that grow everywhere in the world Uh as food and medicine. And also as as a really important permaculture plant that regenerates the earth Mm, at the same time. Perfect. And there's kind of go into detail of these 13 plants, a lot of descriptions and recipes and how we use it at Turtle Lake. Mm -hmm. And yeah, (laughs) lots of pictures. Yeah. Great. Okay. So in your little wrap there, you mentioned how many weeds? 13. 13 weeds. 
And so I'm sure you go in depth in your book about all 13 of them. Um, what's the most common edible weed? Well, there's the dandelion, oh, yes. which we all know, <laughs> and it's fun because it's the one of the first flowers that pops out in the springtime for mm-hmm. the honeybees, so it's just an incredible forage for all the pollinators, and then in addition, the entire thing is edible, from the roots, to the stems, mm. to the leaves. Um, Often I actually drink uh, roasted dandelion tea. Yes. Apparently, it's yeah. a great liver detox. That's right. Yeah, kind of, a, and it's a great substitution for coffee. It has that roasted it does dark flavor. Yeah, it yeah. does. It, it actually tastes really good. Yeah, really good. The whole of the dandelion is a wonderful food. A little bitter, a little sweet, puts you in the mood. <laughs> Play sweet music from the singing flute, and make your coffee from the roasted root. Nice. Nice. I've never had somebody come in and rap on my show before, so I'm loving this. <laughs> Great. So another one that I yeah. know grows here wild at the urban farm is purslane. Can you talk about that? Yeah, purslane is juicy and pretty. Grows in the cracks of every single city. Yeah, so purslane is such a great plant. It's it's known to have more omega three fatty acids than even fish. So oh wow! It's incredibly nutritious, and even wins like the Blue Ribbon Award for vitamin A. It has more vitamin A than any other vegetable. Mm-hmm. It was also Gandhi's favorite food. That's what they say in the rumors. <laughs> so personally, it's amazing. Yeah, really delicious succulent. Tastes a little lemony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, talking about lemony, I have these little uh, plants that grow in my front yard. They're like a, a three-leaf clover, and they got these pretty little flowers. Do you know what they are? Uh-huh. Well, it could be a clover. It, if it's sour, yeah. it's sour. Yeah. Okay, then that's an oxalis or a yes. wood sorrel. And they actually are a nice addition to a recipe for lemony flavor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's things like that. You'll just really trust your tongue because if you eat too many of them, your tongue will start to get this twang experience. And that's oh, a, interesting. your body telling you you've had enough oxalic acid. Oh, right. But in small quantities, they're wonderful and a mm-hmm. great addition. Perfect. Yeah. What do you consider the most delicious weed? Ooh, I'm going to say thistle. Really? <laughs> yeah, thistles are amazing. How do you prepare they, them? Because they're thistly. Right, they're prickly. Yeah. Well, the whole part of the thistle is edible, so the mm-hmm. root... Let's start at the bottom. The root can be made like a potato, so you could cook it up in soup or dry it. And that's what we do. We either use it fresh or dried to Mm -hmm. make a chai tea. And we sell out of thistle root chai tea every Saturday at the farmer's market. Wow. And, And it's also very regenerative of the liver. So it's a fantastic medicine and food. Mm-hmm. And then the greens, they're prickly, but if you, I pick them carefully and I blend them with a little lemon and um, apples uh-huh. and make a thistle lemonade. Oh. And it's just a green juice. And I strain out the prickles after I blend it with water and lemon and honey mm-hmm. or apples. And that's an incredibly delicious way to get this very alkaline green into the system that's so nutritious with all these minerals that are coming from the earth 
because thistles have deep tap roots, and, and they drop all these minerals into the green leaves, and then when we ingest them with a thistle lemonade and mm-hmm. juice, mm-hmm. we benefit from all those minerals in our body, and we can heal so much faster when we have all the minerals we need to build our muscles and bones. And right. Yeah, and then if we continued up on the thistle, there's the stalk. And the stalk, if you peel away the outer layer, which has the prickles, mm-hmm. the inner pith is very juicy and tender Ooh. and sweet. And it's kind of like the sweetest celery you could imagine. And then if you keep going, uh-huh. you'll get up to the flower. And the flower of the thistle is like a sweet chewing gum. You can pinch off like the purple flower head and below there'll be this white fluff and you can put the whole thing in your mouth, chew it up, and the fluff will make it, once you get past the fluff, (laughs) it Uh turns into a a chewing gum and then the nectar comes from the purple flower. And it's a sweet gum. And then even the seeds, once the the thistle goes to, to seed, those thistle seeds are very nutritious and can be ground up into flour or made into milk, like blended with water and a right. little honey and vanilla. So yeah, I'm, there's an infinite amount of things you can do with a thistle plant. Wow, that's amazing. You just basically told us how to use every part of that thistle. That is fascinating. Yeah, it is amazing. So is there anything that people should watch out for when identifying and eating edible weeds? Yes, so there definitely are poisonous plants out there growing in nature and such as poison hemlock, which looks a lot like parsley. Oh. So when you're first beginning to investigate wild foods and integrate them into your diet, it's very wise to start with what you know. So you might recognize a dandelion. It can be 100%. I know this is a dandelion. So begin there Uh and just put a little in your salad, maybe make a green juice with it, maybe, you know, make your dandelion root tea. And the more wild food you eat... Mm -hmm. This is my my experience and my sort of my belief is that the more your intuition will come awake. Oh yes. And you can start trusting mm-hmm. a little more and a little more. But in the beginning, definitely identify all the most poisonous plants in your region and learn to stay away from those. And then start with what you know and slowly increase your your repertoire of what wild foods you want to integrate into your life. Perfect. So what I'm what I'm hearing here is that wild foods and wild weeds specifically has a lot to offer. And, you know, so we've got the taste. What else is there that they have to offer for us? Well, the wild weeds are particularly important for humanity at this time because they're so abundant where we live. Mm -hmm. They grow next to all of our communities because they have this uh, niche that, thrives on disturbed lands, Mm -hmm. and humans are by far the best disturbers (laughs) that I've come to witness. And so we have this great relationship where these wild weeds come in where we disturb the land. They start their regenerating process where they draw up the nutrients, put them in the leaves, compost the leaves back, start to rebuild the topsoil and begin to stabilize the disturbance. And then simultaneously, they're offering us all this food and medicine. Mm, Yes. And that can help humans to really thrive in a place that isn't dependent on so much industry and technology and even farming and, you know, a lot of things that require a lot of travel or petrochemicals Mm -hmm. or sort of these support systems. These wild weeds are just available there for free and they're in abundance. Isn't that nice? 
Isn't that nice? So I, I mentioned a weed and couldn't remember it a little while ago. Yeah. Lamb's quarters. Oh, yeah. Lamb's quarters grows wild here on the urban farm right in the middle of Phoenix. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Yeah. So lamb's quarter is amazing because it is a complete protein. It oh. has all eight essential amino acids that we would need to build muscles and get really strong and survive. And so the lamb's quarter greens are delicious like spinach, but then once it goes to seed, it turns into quinoa. And quinoa is a it's a pseudo grain, so right. it's, a, it's a complete protein grain that's really nutritious for us. And all the wild lamb's quarters create a type of quinoa seed that's edible. Oh, interesting. Fantastic. Yeah. So what would you encourage? I'm going to actually kind of take you a little bit different direction. What do you encourage all of our listeners to do around wild weeds? Well, I recommend the very first thing is don't spray them. <laughs> oh, yes. Don't <laughs> Where, you know, spray that's, them. That's kind of like the 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 first the first step of moving into a place of witnessing their values is like, yeah. okay, let's just stop putting toxins on them. Mm -hmm. Then, once that is way behind us, then we start, you know, if we're a farmer and we have weeds growing in between our rows of crops, rather than just weed them and think of them as a nuisance, we can harvest them. And it's a, it's a really fun mind shift from thinking mm -hmm. of something as a problem or a waste and turning it into a great resource. And it's very much like a root of permaculture. And one thing that we've done is we've created a wild food CSA at Turtle Lake Refuge. Wow, cool. So what we do is we, we harvest all these weeds, and sometimes we'll go to other people's farms and harvest their weeds, and then we, we deliver these, well, actually, people come and pick up these goodie bags mm -hmm. once a week all summer long, and we'll give them like a a bag of nicely prepared wild weed salad, <laughs> and then we'll make things like dandelion pesto, or we'll give them a bottle of our thistle root chai tea. You know, so we make it delicious. We'll even take some of the greens that are such an abundance, like we have pigweed or amaranth greens, right? Uh -huh. And we have so much of those that in the summertime we can harvest all their leaves. You know, we'll be pulling them up, let's say, because we want to make room for the tomato or mm -hmm. the carrots that we planted. Mm -hmm. But then we'll harvest all these amaranth, and then we'll marinate the greens in a sauce and then dehydrate it into a chip. So it's kind of like a kale chip, but Ooh. it's a wild amaranth chip. So there's just an infinite <laughs> way of being creative with what we have to work with and then turning it into an incredible resource to give our community more health. Fantastic. And I'm sure you talk about this all in your book, right? I do, and lots of recipes to go with it. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. So the name of the book is? The Wild Wisdom of Weeds, and the subtitle is 13 Essential Plants for Human Survival. Fantastic. And that's a Chelsea Green book, and so obviously it's on Amazon, yes? Yes. Or, and I'll bet you have it and on you, your website, right? Yeah, and if you order it from our website, then we will send you a packet of the 13 wild weed seeds. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is a bonus. So you go to you go to turtlelakerefuge.org and buy the book there. Yes, and then we'll send you some seeds to go with the book. <laughs> Great. So I'm yes. going to shift a little bit on you here, and I want to talk about a time you failed and how you overcame that failure. What did you learn from it? Okay, great. Well, the, 
image that's coming to my mind right now is the one time when I was first camping out for the summer, mm-hmm. when I was just out of high school, and I was learning about eating wild foods. And I had a bunch of books with me that I would check and to see if they were edible or not. But one time, I just decided to eat something without checking. I was like, oh, oh there's a purple berry. Let me just mm-hmm. eat it. So I went ahead and just ate it, and then... And then I had some books with me, so after I ate it, I looked it up, and it was in the poisonous plant section. Oops. And so I started reading all the symptoms from this berry, and as soon as I read them, I got every single one of them. <laughs> and it was like a little headache, a little nauseous, stomach ache. And then as soon as I shut the book, they all went away. And it was kind of a funny a funny story because in a way I felt like it was more psychosomatic than yep. real. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I definitely learned, you know, that... Well, it's a good idea to take it slow, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, we do experiment sometimes, and luckily, we mostly do just fine, but, you know, when we're first starting, definitely better to be more cautious than more yeah. bold. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So what do you consider your biggest success? So a success that's still in the making, the story's not over yet, but the would be with the organic parks in Durango. Uh-huh. And we worked with our city for over 10 years through a lot of drama and like political workings. But we started with our city and asked if we could have one organic park. And after some negotiation, they said, okay, let's do a trial park. And then Turtle Lake Refuge volunteered our time to put compost tea on it right. and harvest the weeds. And we even put up bat boxes. And then... After that, we asked for two parks, and they said, sure, okay, we'll give you two parks. So we had two, and then at this point, the city even took on the managing of it. Really? And after that, yeah, which is great. Oh, yeah. But then we asked for more, because we have over 50 parks, and we said, well, we'd like more. Uh-huh. And they said, no, that's it. You've got your choice. <laughs> you know, you people have a choice. You have two parks to choose from. And that wasn't good enough, so we decided to write a city ordinance. And we got with a lawyer friend who worked with us, and we went through all the the sort of hoops that we needed to get signatures and get it on the ballot at the right timing. Uh-huh. And basically, we chose to wait until marijuana was going to get on the ballot at mm-hmm. the same time in Colorado. Right. So we was a very liberal audience that was going to come out to vote, and we knew we were going to it was going to pass. Oh, and we nice! That, oh, that is cool. Yeah. And so we asked that all the city parks in Durango would become organic, like 100%. Well, that was a big step for the city to take on. So it was a very big, dramatic controversy for a while. Mm-hmm. And eventually, the city came to us and said, hey, if we work out something, make a resolution, would you be willing to take it off the ballot? And, you know, ultimately, we decided, yeah, we got to go at a pace that the city can sustain. Yeah, exactly. So we went ahead and met with them, and we created an organic lands resolution, which ended up getting passed unanimously. And then the next year, a third of the parks got converted to organic. We managed. So I feel like that was a big success, and it's still in process. But That is it, huge. Yeah. That really. is absolutely huge. Congratulations. That is... jaw-dropping. I'm going to use that word. That is jaw-dropping to have a city actually say, okay, we're not going to use chemicals on a park. Yeah. And we ended up having the city, this was part of the resolution, we Mm -hmm. had the city hire an organic land 
someone who works with organics on city parks, uh-huh. Chip Osborne. He was one of the best in the country, and he came down four times and visited Durango and trained the parks and city parks and rec staff how to manage the parks organically. Uh-huh. And so that was also such a blessing to have his wisdom imparted. Mm-hmm. Wow! Congratulations. That's just too yeah. cool. So. What drives you? What's your big why? Well, my big why, or my big drive, is that I'm in love with the land, and I'm in love with the people Mm -hmm. um, who live on the land. And so I'm driven by wanting to be of service to all beings, and I just start noticing, okay, this would be useful, or if we started eating these wild weeds instead of spraying them, that's going to benefit us so much. Mm-hmm. And there's these connections and these relationships that drive me. Yeah. Wow, cool. So what projects are you currently working on? So currently, um, let's see. I, I'm a beekeeper, and so we, I have several hives here mm-hmm. out of Turtle Lake and we just hosted, we co-hosted this festival called the Green Man Festival. Oh, wow. Cool. We'll, we'll, yeah, this was our first year, and I think we're going to make it an annual thing. We also, there's two festivals. There's the Green Man Festival, which we just did, and then we have the Dandelion Festival, which is coming up on May 7th. And we've been doing the Dandelion Festival for like nine years. Mm-hmm. And it's in, it's, you know, it's honoring and educating people about organic land stewardship practices. But my current project is to, we raised, at the Green Man Festival, we raised some money that we're going to be purchasing some perennial plants that makes really good bee forage, oh. such as Russian sage and yep. Samisa, and mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain bee plant, and, and we, we got permission from different places around town to plant them. So really it's just to increase the bee forage plants around town and continue to educate how can we make uh, our environments more pollinator friendly. Wow, cool. So I'm all about education and I have to know what book has been most influential for you in this process? So one of the books that's really influential is The Peace Pilgrim. And Oh it's yes. A, yeah, she's this beautiful woman who just started walking. And I think her wisdoms that got put into this little book, there's a tiny book and a bigger book, but they both are, they just are so true, these just incredible insights of good living. and <laughs> Yeah, so that's an influential book for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? To join me in celebrating the connection between personal health and wild lands. Mm. So wherever we live, we can start noticing that the more we take care of our own health on a personal level, we naturally start taking care of the earth around us. Mm -hmm. And the more we take care of the earth around us, we naturally benefit by being more healthy. So I think just beginning to realize as humans that we can have, we can create this symbiotic relationship of giving and receiving each day to our environment and to our community and to ourselves in a way that is actually very harmonious with all of nature. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Katrina. I really appreciated having you. 
Oh, thank you. I feel very honored to be invited. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? So probably the best way is just going to our website, turtlelakerefuge.org. And if you have questions, you can email the email that comes up and either I'll answer you or other people will answer Mm -hmm. you. But that's probably the best way to get connected to what we're offering. Because we also have plant retreats and other classes throughout the year. Yeah, check it out. I I was on their website a little while ago, and it looks really interesting. I love what you're doing up there. Great. Absolutely. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.